0: This is Cambridge Judge Business School's Online Knowledge Centre, with expert commentary, analysis and insights into the issues of the day.
1: According to Kamal Munir, Pakistan's debilitating power crisis can be resolved in the short term by changing the country's power regulatory regime and in the longer term by altering the electrical energy production mix. Hardly a day passes without power cuts, some lasting for up to 18 hours at a time, a catalyst for general unrest and widespread protest. The government's failure to pay its own bills has exacerbated the situation which is plunging whole cities into darkness and halting industry. Dr. Munir says solar, wind and hydro schemes offer a sensible way forward, along with coal. The country's coal reserves are the fourth largest in the world. He lays the blame firmly on the mid-90s privatisation of Pakistan's energy sector and the policies under which it now operates.
0: Now, to understand the power crisis, you need to go back to 1992, where the new power policy was put into place. Before 1992... Basically, between 1950s and 1992, um, all the power uh, was generated in the public sector in Pakistan. There were two uh, organizations, one was called WAPTA or the Water and Power Development uh, Authority, the other was KESC, uh, the Karachi Electric Supply Corporation, and uh, between them, they took care of the power needs of Pakistan. They had installed hydel uh, um, uh, plants, uh, you know, in many cases large dams. They had installed thermal uh, plants, and they also had a couple of nuclear uh, plants. Uh, in 1992, it was deemed by the government that the demand was going to uh, outstrip supply uh, in the coming years, so capacity needed to be added to um, the power generation system. However, instead of expanding capacity in the public sector, they decided to take this opportunity to privatize um, the sector. Now privatization in itself is not a bad thing or always uh, a bad thing, uh, except that there are two or three considerations that we must keep in mind when privatizing uh, a particular sector. So the first one is, what is the competitive scenario going to be? So in this particular case, the policy that was put into place did not really pit power plants against each other. So there was essentially no competition uh, between them, which means that there is no reward for better management, for innovation, for efficiency, uh, because they were guaranteed the returns that they were going to get on their equity, uh, the independent power producers in this case.
1: But this, at this time, it was seen as the perfect solution, wasn't it? I mean, it's highly incentivized and defined by the World Bank as the way forward.
0: That's right. I mean, so the World Bank was very uh, much supportive of this policy. In fact, sources close uh, to the deal Tell me that, you know, it was only because the bank leaned uh, on the government that they decided to go uh, down this route. But then, of course, the government also must take uh, the blame. Now, this was not considered the perfect solution by everyone uh, at the time because, you know, I mean, a number of uh, policymakers, a number of uh, people in the bureaucracy were also agitating or, um, or writing against this. Um, so, But the government certainly uh, pushed it through. There was enormous uh, enthusiasm uh, from the international investors because, frankly, they had never seen a policy like this. The policy promised them about 18% annual returns in dollar terms uh, guaranteed on their equity. It also allowed them to take up to 80% debt. And the government would be the one or the tax Pakistani taxpayer would be the one who would be financing that debt And this was regardless whether they were asked to produce any electricity or not. So you really couldn't lose. And this was a 25-year deal uh, in most cases. So the first, plus this policy was fuel blind, which means that you could essentially take, um, you know, start making electricity from any kind of fuel and the government will pay all your costs.
1: You make the point that the investors backed the wrong horse and chose to go down the route of oil power rather than, as you've just said, thermal uh, or hydro and indeed coal. Now, what difference would it have made?
0: Well, uh, enormous difference because, first of all, hydro is the cheapest source of making electricity. So depending on which plants you compare, you know, it could be two to three times or two to, you know, in many cases, uh, five times cheaper than, uh, than oil. Plus, oil prices were about $20 you know, a barrel at the time. And in about uh, you know, more than a decade, they rose to about $140 a barrel. Now, the government had taken on itself to meet all costs, all operational costs, including fuel. Okay? So um, this, was, this was really you know, a huge error and a policy failure. Now, one thing is the type of policy. So there was no competition that was taking place between the international power plants. Now the private sector only delivers through competition because it is through competition that value gets passed on to the consumer. If there is no competition, I fail to see what value private sector is going to be adding because there is really little incentive for them to be uh, efficient.
1: Do you give any credence at all to the power companies when they say that the bills are not being paid, lines are being damaged, and subsidies have now dropped? I mean, they have no option but to switch off, to turn the power off.
0: As a result of the power policy, you know, um, the power pipeline for electricity got choked by something that is popularly known in Pakistan as circular debt, which means that if you, who is the consumer of electricity, is not paying the distribution company, they cannot pay uh, the generation company and they, in turn, cannot pay you know, the oil companies and so on and so forth. There are a number of different stakeholders. And the whole thing, it's all, almost like a liquidity crunch in the banking sector.
1: That circular debt stands at the moment at $880 million.
0: Yes, um, there are various uh, figures for that. The government itself, you know, sort of keeps coming up with different figures for that. And it keeps varying, uh, too, depending on what you count in circular debt. Uh, But it is very important to really understand the true nature of circular debt. Because the popular discourse or the dominant discourse is that the circular debt has accumulated because of non-bill payment because of subsidies in the system there. That... Now, take subsidies first. If I ask you, and this is an example that people in Pakistan will be familiar with, if I ask you to set up a sugar-making plant, and I promise to pay you 100 rupees per kilo, and then uh, when your cost of making one kilo of sugar is about 20 rupees, then I sell that uh, sugar on to the people for 80 rupees a kilo. And I tell them that I am subsidizing them because I'm not making them pay hundred rupees. Who is being subsidized here? The people or you? So in this case they allowed prices to rise to these exorbitant levels and of course you know no people in um, in, in any developing country would be able to pay those kinds of prices. So it was almost inevitable that these things uh, would develop. Now take the other uh, issue of non-bill payment. If you want piracy to reduce in a particular sector, should you be taking the price of the original good higher or lower to discourage piracy? Usually, we believe that the lower the price prices, lower the piracy. In this case, we are taking prices of a basic necessity up to levels where people simply cannot afford it. Do you expect theft to rise or fall?
1: What's the way out?
0: There are, there are long-term solutions and there are short-term solutions. And the uh, long-term solution simply is that we need to change the fuel mix. Right now, about 30% of the electricity comes from oil, which is hugely expensive for a country like Pakistan, which does not produce oil. Uh, about 30% comes from gas. We have dwindling reserves of gas. And the rest comes from uh, hydro We need to take the share of hydro and coal. Uh, Pakistan has coal reserves, which are estimated to be the fourth largest in the world. And yet, only 0.1% of electricity in Pakistan is coming from coal. So where have the governments been for the last 20 or 30 years? Why haven't they developed more hydro capacity? Why haven't they developed coal as an alternative source? Plus, solar. Pakistan is the Saudi Arabia of solar energy. There's so much sun out there. How come we are not investing in developing solar the way we should be? Similarly, we have Uh, wind corridors in Pakistan, and how come they are not being developed? So the long-term solution is to change the fuel mix, but not just the energy mix. It is also to change the regulatory regime under which the sector functions. And that also can become a short-term solution, of course, if the contracts are renegotiated with the IPPs, because this situation is simply unsustainable, and it will lead to a lot more social and political unrest in the country. So if that is what uh, the policymakers want, then fine, they're go- going about it the right way. But if that is not something that is desirable, then something needs to be done about these contracts right now.
1: Kamal Munir, thank you very much. This programme
0: was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series.